Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're continuing John 15. If you've been with us, you know Chapter 15 is classic and rich and meaningful. At the same time, it's one of the most difficult chapters in the Gospels. Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is alone with the disciples. In chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. And Jesus, are you listening? Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving and he's going to the Father and that he's going to be beaten and mocked and crucified and died. And the conversation ended, chapter 14, look at verse 31. The conversation ended with Jesus said, arise and let us go from here. Jesus and his disciples have left the upper room and they're headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, some believe that Jesus actually got up and left the upper room. And while walking, he sees a grapevine and a cluster of grapes, and he picks it up. Keep in mind that the grapes and the grapevines in Israel were unlike the grapevines, say, out in California in Napa Valley, where they're on like a post and on the, you know, like a wire, and the grapevines are on like that. In Israel, they weren't like that. The grapes and the grapevines were in the dirt. They were in the ground. So that's why Jesus would pick up a grapevine and he would say, now you are clean by the word which was spoken unto you. Because he would be cleaning off that cluster of grapes. So while walking and talking with the disciples, Jesus grabs a cluster of grapes. And then in verse one of chapter 15, I want you to look at it. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And I told you when Jesus said, I am the true vine, the disciples perked up because the Jewish people always saw themselves as the vine of Jehovah. Ancient Israel considered themselves the vine of God or the vineyard. Uh, The vine was a symbol of Israel. Can you keep up with me? Psalm 80, write it down. Isaiah 5, Jeremiah 2, Ezekiel 15, Hosea 10, Matthew 21. All talk about Israel being the vine or the vine of Jehovah. And so Jesus comes along and says, I am the true vine. The word true, if you don't have it written down, write it down. The word true means genuine. It means perfect. It means real. The disciples knew Jesus was claiming to be the vine of Jehovah. And now anybody who is blessed is blessed because of Jesus and not Israel. Somebody say amen. Because Israel forfeited the blessings by unbelief and by bearing bad fruit. 
Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine. And then look at verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Now, show of hands. Were you with me last Sunday? Show of hands. Were you with me last Sunday? Okay. I'm going to let you cheat. Get your notes out. I'm going to give you a test and I'm going to let you cheat. Okay. Remember we talked about what it meant to abide in Jesus. You got your notes. You ready to cheat? Look at verse 1. I mean, look at uh, point number 1. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? Number one, abide in Jesus means, come on, say it with me. Abide in Jesus means we are one with Christ. Number two, abiding means we are dependent on Christ. Number three, abiding involves total obedience to Christ. And then finally, number four, we talked about last week, abiding involves continuing with Christ. You know that. I've titled this sermon, Constantly Abiding, John chapter 15, Saints. And let's pick up in verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. And some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Some of y'all still ain't looking. If you're looking at verse 1, say a hearty amen. Amen. I thank you. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear what saints? fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear what saints more fruit you are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you abide in me and I in you Jesus said as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in a vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do a little bit Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out, underline that, as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As a father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things in verse 11, I have spoken to you that note the saint, my joy may remain in you. These things I've said to you, here's why, that my joy may remain in you and also that your joy might be filled. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. I think that you will find John chapter 15 uh, very difficult if you were to seek to find a sermon on John 15, an in-depth sermon on John 15. I think you'll be hard-pressed to find it. Um, Scholars, pastors, preachers, teachers don't really want to deal with John 15. Um, Some say it's too difficult. Um, I don't think it's too difficult. I think the reason they don't want to deal with it is not because of its difficulty, but more because of the fact that it's very in-depth. Because of the idioms and because of the metaphors, you could be in John 15, probably verses 1 through 4, for four months. I mean, think about it. We've been in John 15 
verses 1 through actually 4 or 5 for the last three weeks. You could be in it for months because of the idioms and the metaphors and, and, and all of the, the and how in-depth it is. And so I don't think that it's difficult as much as I think that it's just so rich. Uh, y'all, you get me? It's just rich. It's deep. It's profound. It's filled with illustrations and parallels and uh, it just goes on and on and on. Now, if you've been with us, you know that Jesus and the disciples are in their upper room, as I mentioned, and Jesus said, arise and let us go. And I told you that I believe that at this time they leave the upper room and they're walking through the temple precincts toward the Kidron Valley. And if you've been to Israel Israel with us, you can get this in your mind's eye. They're walking through the temple precincts, going toward the Kidron Valley, and then Jesus gets around to the east gate and into the Garden of Gethsemane. And we talked about two possible scenarios as to what sparked this conversation concerning the vine. Um, It's possible that, uh, you know, some scholars believe that Jesus actually had this conversation concerning the vine while he was in the upper room. Uh, I disagree with that because I think when Jesus said, arise and let us go, I think in the Greek language, arise and let us go means arise and let us go. Amen. Y'all so smart. So I think arise and let us go means arise and let us go. I think they got up and they left. Um, So Jesus, I believe, is walking, and it's very possible one of two things. While walking, he picks up this cluster of grapes and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The other possibility is that while walking with the disciples, Jesus, watch this saint, would see the gate that led to Herod's temple, and they would see from a distance Herod's gate in the distance, Josephus. Antiquities of the Jews tells us in Jesus' day, Herod's gate was large, it was gold, and it was beautiful. It had 60 feet vines on this gate. So you can imagine the height of this gate. 60 feet vines on this gate and, 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 and branches and clusters of grapes and all made of gold. These clusters of grapes and vines are made of gold and hanging down. The vines, uh, Josephus tells us, were as tall as a man standing. So Josephus says the workmanship was outstanding, astonishing. In those days, you could give money to the temple treasury and designate that money for the gold to add to the clusters of grapes and leaves. Jesus could have seen that gate from a distance and that those golden clusters and those vines and those branches from a distance and said, I am the vine. You, fellas, you see that gate right there? You see those golden um, clusters and vines? Stuff? I am the vine and you are the branches. That is very possible. I want you to look at verse 5. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Now, we talked about verse 5 a little bit. And I'm just going to cover it just for a second here. And I want you to know, as we talked about, everything in the Christian life depends on how much you abide in Christ. I need two people to say amen. Everything in the Christian life depends on how much you abide in Christ. The quality of your Christian life depends on the quality of your relationship with Jesus. I like that. I'm going to say it again. 
The quality of your Christian life depends on the quality of your relationship with Jesus. In other words, if your Christian life consists of reading the Word of God, praying, worshiping God, going to church, hanging around people who love God like you love God, doing the things of God, you're going to find yourself abiding in God. You're going to find yourself a strong, spiritual, godly individual. Your life, the quality of your Christian life depends on the quality of your relationship with Jesus. The word abide, if you don't have it written down, write it down, means to settle down. It means to remain. It means to stay. If you want to bear fruit, you got to settle down, remain, and stay. If you abide, you'll be close and connected to Jesus. I told you every single man, woman, boy, and girl can be as close to the Lord as they choose to be. Did you hear me? You can be as close to the Lord as you choose to be. You know, I hear people praying all the time, Lord, help me to become closer to you. Listen, you can pray all day long about becoming closer to the Lord, but until you take this book and you start reading it, I need one saint to say amen. Until you take this book and start reading it, until you start raising your hands and lifting your hands and worshiping God, and don't stand there and read the words of the song and over the mountains and sea. Yeah, ever rise to love for me. But you really close your eyes and you let those words take root in your heart until you begin to connect yourself with the vine and get linked up with, somebody knows what I'm talking about, don't you? And get linked up with that vine, you're never going to be close to the Lord. You're, I'm waiting while you clap your hands, you're never going to be. You're not going to be close to the Lord by putting the Bible under your pillow and sleeping on it. Like God's word is going to get into your spirit and your heart by reverse osmosis. It does not work that way. You got to sit down and have some intimate time with Jesus. Can I get a witness? You got to sit down and read that word. Again, the quality of your Christian life depends on the quality of your relationship with the Lord. You can be as close to the Lord as you want to be or not. It all depends on how much you abide and allow him to abide in you. Saints, I want you to look at verse 6 because I have been waiting three weeks to get to verse 6. If you abide, notice in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now, we're going to deal with this today and kind of camp out here for just a few moments because I've been wanting to get to this first because many people use this verse to tell you that you can lose your salvation. They will tell you that you can lose your salvation, that you are not eternally secure. And they will take you to a verse like this in John 6, 15, 6, and say, see, it says it right there. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out and is withered and is burned. See, you're not secure in Christ. People use this verse for that reason. You got a pen? Listen. There are basically three views as to what cast out or what the passage says regarding believers or make believers position in Christ. Three views as to what cast out means. Regarding the statement cast out, the first view, the cast out branches are the ones who were once believers 
but because of a lack of fruit ended up in hell or they lost their salvation, cast out. The second view, cast out, the cast out branches are pseudo-Christians, fake Christians. People who never really abided in Jesus and therefore they go to hell like Judas. And then the third view, the cast out branches are fruitless Christians who wasted their lives. They've lived burnt up lives, if you will, and they bore no fruit. Three views, three positions, three possibilities. Here's what we know. Listen, saints, here's what we know. The Bible does not teach nowhere in the Bible does it teach that you as a believer can lose your salvation. Somebody should clap your hands and be happy about that. You cannot lose your, we as believers, and I don't know about you, but that makes, that, 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 that makes things a lot easier for me. We as believers are eternally secure. That means I don't have to walk on eggshells. That means that when I get out there on that 440 and somebody cuts me off, She said, you can get mad. Yes, I can, and I didn't lose my salvation. But at the same time, I go, ah, resum, tesum, resum, tesum, resum. You know you're mad when you resum, tesum, resum. And then you repent. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have went there. I got in the flesh, the flesh monster, this flesh. I'm, Lord, I'm still working on killing this flesh. I keep killing it. Lord, it keeps rising up from the grave. Lord, you know. You know, it's a security there to know that we can't lose our salvation. Listen, if you were a pseudo-Christian, you were never saved. If you turn out to be a pseudo-Christian, that means you were never a Christian. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, it tells us, And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, somebody come on, help me. They would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You see, Judas was a pseudo-Christian. Judas was, look at me, look at me, look at me. Judas was with the Lord, but he wasn't with the Lord. Did you get that? Think about it. Judas was a part of the same ministry as the other disciples. He spent time with Jesus. He saw the miracles in the ministry of Jesus. He had the same experiences as the rest of the disciples. But there was no life in him. He wasn't connected to the vine. He didn't abide in Christ. And Christ did not abide in him. Judas was unfruitful, an unfruitful branch that had to be removed. He didn't lose his connection. He never was connected. He was cut off, withered, died. He committed suicide. He didn't abide. Now listen. In my inbox this week, I got a note, an email from a sister who asked me, she said, Pastor Rodney, can a Christian commit suicide? Can a Christian commit suicide? Um, And even in this same week, I got an inbox from a lady who told me, get this, this is awesome. She told me, she said, Pastor Rodney, I just wanted to send you a thank you note and let you know that we are stationed in the Bahamas. And on Sunday morning at chapel, 
We use the podcast from the sermons here at Calvary Chapel as our Sunday morning services. So I wanted you to know you're our podcast pastor. Is that not the awesome, most awesome thing? I'm waiting for somebody to clap your hands or say something. That, that blew me away. It blew me away to know that, and you should know, that, that this church really, and I've prayed, Lord, I don't want this church to become the kind of church that's us for no more. I don't want to be the church that is just about our walls and what we're doing here. It's amazing how the word of God gets out and goes from this pulpit. Do you know that this sermon that I am preaching now will one day be heard in nine prisons on Rikers Island? Rikers Island has 13 prisons. Of those 13 prisons, this sermon will be heard by the prisoners in nine of them. Oh, Somebody could be clapping and getting excited or something. Isn't that awesome? And then the radio stations that, that, that we're on and the, and, and, and the podcast and, and all of these things that God uses, we don't realize it, but, the, but God, what God is doing. And for me, it's amazing. For me, I'm a street kid from Philly. I've told you once, I'll tell you a thousand times, I don't have a college degree. I've never been to a Bible college. I've never been to cemetery. I mean, seminary. I, I've never been. I've never been. That works every time. I've never been. <laughs> I've never been to, to Bible college. I, 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 I've never been to college. I got a 12th grade education. And the Bible says that God will take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to put to, put to shame those that are mighty. God does not need your education in order for him to use your life. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. And for me to think, I mean, for me to think that, that God's word goes as far as it does from this pulpit to so many untold tens of thousands of people, cards, letters, emails, every day of somebody saying how the word of God has made a difference in their life. It's all because of the word of God. It has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with the word of God and the teaching of the word of God. And so I get an inbox from a lady who says to me, Pastor Rodney, can a Christian commit suicide? I answered her back, yes. But why would they want to? God loves you. And he'll never love you anymore. He'll never love you any less than he does right now. You know, sometimes we think that God loves us more when we pray more. Or God loves us more when we give more. Or God loves us more when we attend church more. Or God loves us more when we study the Bible more. Or God loves us more when we're nicer to people or all of these kinds of things. Do you understand that God today loves you as much as he's ever going to love you? And let me add a little tag note to that. God loves you and you can't do nothing about it. He loves you and you can't do nothing about it. Can a Christian commit suicide? Yes. But it's not the unpardonable sin. I was raised Catholic. Anybody? I was raised Catholic. Okay, then you know where I'm going. I was raised Catholic, and the Catholic Church taught that there were two kinds of sins. Y'all know this, don't you? There were mortal sins and what? Somebody help me. Venial sins. Mortal sins and venial sins. And suicide is a mortal sin, according to the Catholic Church. And a mortal sin can't be forgiven because it usurps God's authority and power over life and death. It's unforgivable. 
So if you commit a mortal sin, then there's no hope for you, no chance for you. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. You're going straight to hell. Mortal sins were murder, adultery, uh, idolatry, and even suicide. And the interesting thing is that that teaching, are y'all listening? That teaching didn't even come into the church until the fourth century by with a guy by the name of St. Thomas Aquinas. Venial sins are forgivable. Mortal sins are unforgivable. Jesus said, there is only one sin. Listen, man says this. Are y'all listening? Man says one thing, God says another. I choose to go with what God says. Okay? The Catholic Church says one thing, God says another. God says there's only one sin that's unforgivable, and that is the unpardonable sin or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know that. That means you refuse to connect to the vine, the only source of life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.